What is going on, brother? Ah, ready for this epic season three oh, podcast man. we're doing today. It for was Game of so Thrones. good. The season was so good. Cheers, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> Great good call. Get a little chalice going before we get started. In the chalice. Malice in the chalice. <sighs> Talking about. Uh, malice in the chalice, that red wedding, huh? Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into yeah, that later yeah, on, get but that, man. geez, what an amazing season for Game of Thrones. Uh, of all the ones that they have, this has got to be my favorite between this and season five. What about you? This is really uh, like the meat of the whole show. Uh, yeah. This is where things, <laughs> I hate to say it this way, things really fall apart. This is... Uh... <laughs> Break me down if it feels right. <laughs> it, was, it was a rough season for the Starks. <laughs> it really was yeah, a rough man, season for the bad. Starks. Yeah, and that was, uh, I feel like the Starks in this uh, season, man, almost like the band Seether. Like, they gotta wind up crying all the time because nothing goes right. It is tough, man. Like, especially, like, if you think about it, like, let's just do a quick rundown without explaining in detail some of the things. Like, you know, John's obviously a prisoner of the Wildlings beyond the wall. Uh, we've got Arya, who's, in, uh, like, you know, still in Harrenhal. Um, we've got, uh, obviously, Rob with the, the Red Wedding. Sansa's still a prisoner in King's Landing. Like, and, you know, she, but once we get into it later, she has different options of possibly leaving and ends up not happening. Like, she, like, the Starks had a yeah, rough season, man. <laughs> they had a really rough one. Yeah. And you know what's funny is, in contrast, it's like, then everything goes right for Danny. Like, everything yes. is building up for Danny, and no matter what the Starks do, they just cannot catch a break. No. But it's, catch a break. It's some of it's self-inflicted, though, and we'll, and we'll talk about that a bit. But I think before we really jump into what we want to do here for, you know, Storm of Swords in Season 3, uh, you know, just talk about where we've come from in terms of our, our viewership. Uh, we just checked. We are now in Russia as well, right? Which is pretty cool, yeah. So we think about the countries right now, I believe... We've got Canada, obviously the United States, uh, we got the UK, Australia, and now Russia. So, uh, you know, I'm excited this has picked up as fast as it had. Like, we thought we had a great idea when it started, and, and you know, you guys have kind of carried that momentum for us. So, uh, you have my appreciation. We love doing this, and, uh, and we're ready to give you a really awesome episode today. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, it's all thanks to you guys. I mean, y'all keep us here. I mean, like I said, we'd still be at Cowboys if, uh, <laughs> Which, uh, we still made a little Cowboys appearance last week. We try to show up every now and then. Yeah, guest, guest star yeah. appearance, right? Guest star, but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all because you guys, we, we love all you guys. We really do take a notice when you guys watch. So I know a lot of people out there will think, you know, these guys can't tell if, you know, I'm, I'm viewing from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever it is, or I'm just looking on YouTube. Really do look at that every week, and it means a lot. Honestly, and I, I look at it, like, I'm a huge numbers guy. And I check our statistics, you know, our host, Podbean, we can kind of breaks down percentage-wise who listens to what and, and things of that nature. And so we really uh, do take a look at, you know, what viewers are coming from where so that way we can know which platforms to improve on or push more towards. And, you know, we see where the most of our audience is coming from, too. So, awesome. Yeah, but to really bring you guys. But it seems like everyone... Uh Everyone's kind of jumped on back into Westos, Westeros, and Essos, man. Yeah. Sorry, this wine's already starting on me. Good. Started okay. saying Westos. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get caught up. So, yeah, for, for season three, 
you know, episode one, and again, guys, what we're doing is we're, we're breaking down, you know, kind of an overview of what happened, also how it, like, what contrasts from the books to the TV series, and our, our opinion on each, things they could have done great, some things that we liked and, you know, that should stay the same and did. So, um, yeah, we, we really kind of start season three here with uh, Sam, who was running from the White Walkers, right? Yeah. So... He's from he's from from the White Walkers. He's he's that like that brother, uh, like like kneeling down in the snow and and <laughs> you like you gotta love Game of Thrones for the fact that man they don't care what they put on the screen right. So he oh, he, he yeah. goes up to him and his the guy's head's cut off and he's holding the head in his own lap. <laughs> like, oh yeah, he's holding that in his own lap. He realizes he's dead and you see that uh, the White Walker comes at Sam and you know. Anyone who's watched Game of Thrones and knows Sam Tarly, he's not a warrior. He's a self-proclaimed coward. Like, uh, you know, so you're like, okay, well, what's going to happen here? Like, this, this is going to be the end of Sam. You, know, you didn't get the feeling that it was because obviously you feel like he's got a big role to play or else why put him in. But, man, like, uh, he got attacked by the White Walker. And then who comes to save him? Old Ghost. Ghost, he, We haven't seen Ghost, guys, to give you an idea since John was taken uh, captive by the Wildlings. Yeah. So... Ghost never went with him to the Wildling camp, so we had no idea where Ghost right, has been this yeah. entire time, and what a way to make a reappearance. And I think it was a big moment for Ghost, you know? Because um, you kind of do... It kind of takes you back to season one, where you do have that emotional involvement with him, because people kind of forget, you know, how connected, especially the Starks were, uh, to them, which... I know people have feelings for what was done to him in the later seasons, but this really is a big moment. And I think it's great, you know, they do have Sam in the show, because it really brings it down to earth. I mean, these guys aren't, uh, just because you're in the Night's Watch, doesn't mean you're necessarily the biggest or the strongest. Right, yeah, or the bravest, you know, that's just straight up. And, you know, they they do a good job portraying the Night's Watch for what it is, you know, like it's a band of like prisoners and people who want to escape other punishment and they just serve on the wall, right? So, uh, you know, and for and as far as like the dire wolves go, they, they can't catch a break either, man. <laughs> like they're just yeah, like the Starks man. in the season. So uh, we'll talk about that later on. Um, but so far, uh, only Lady has died. Nymeria has ran away because Arya sent Nymeria away back in season one. Lady obviously kind of paid for that crime with her life and Outside of that, you still got Shaggy Dog, you still got Summer with uh, Brandon Recon, and you got Grey Wind with Rob, and uh, yeah, so Ghost uh, Ghost makes his grand reappearance, kind of takes that White Walker. I would have, you know what, what would have been really cool, man, not that I want, would wish that on anyone, but you know how like later on with, you know, guys, sorry for jumping, you know, seasons here, but uh, when the Night King, Go when, ahead when and he get takes, this. yeah, yeah pop it up there, yeah, when the Night King, um, takes Daenerys' dragon, right? Right. Imagine, like, a dire wolf that was, like, a white walker. That'd that would be kind of cool, sick. right? That'd I think that'd be, like, that was a good idea. Like, you know, none of them really lasted that long to make it there. But, uh, yeah. So, I thought that would have been a decent idea. For those of you all watching, I just put this right in front of Josh's face. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a long season, so we're going to have to... We're going to take our time through it, right? <laughs> And so what the biggest thing and why I bring this up, obviously not only did this start season three of the Sam and the White Walkers, the fact is, which is super important, and because obviously Jor uh, Mormont and the rest of the Night's Watch who survived the attack on the Fist of the First Men, um, they arrive and he asks Sam, did you send the ravens? Meaning, like, did you get, send them out so people in 
like Westeros know what's going on, the army of the dead, and he didn't send the ravens. Right. Yeah, and you almost wonder if this is where Sam kind of starts to lose some of the respect of the Watch, because if you think that really is a big an important task you're supposed to do. I mean, he could have sacrificed... He basically could have caused the whole downfall of the Watch at that point. Yeah. Who was there. Absolutely. And also, you know, the, all the kings, because there's still a bunch of kings at that time, mm-hmm. uh, they had no idea what's going on beyond the wall. Obviously, they, like, Maester Aemon ends up having them send ravens later on, but very, very late in the game. And so... And you're right, that's a good thing that you bring up about him starting to lose the respect of the watch, because not only that, remember he was walking back and he like just like sat down and started crying because yeah. he didn't want to walk anymore. Yeah. And like, you know, uh, Mormon's like, I, I forbid you to die. That's <laughs> the guy who's like antagonizing him. He's like, hey, listen, if he doesn't make it back, you aren't either. So make sure Sam makes it back. But yeah, you know, it's just the whole thing. Obviously, he's not a good fighter, not very good at anything. You know, outside of reading, which ends up being important later on. But as, you know, if you're a brother in the night's watch, you're like man, like you're slowing us up. You could, yeah. you know, we're in danger here. All of our lives are in danger. Like <laughs> we just had an army of dead just kill the majority of us. Yeah, like, you, know, like <laughs> you know, you had one job here. You had one. You had like, one job. You had one job. Guard, guard the realms of men, please. Yeah, I mean, which makes you wonder. Like, I mean, what we find out later, what significance Sam really plays. Mm-hmm. But even in this season, but at this point, you're. <laughs> Say if you're a brother of him in the Night's Watch, you're really like, why did we even let you on here? Like, you are not in shape. You really aren't very... I can't even really say that smart. Like, what has he really done that's so intellectual? Right, I mean, outside of just deciding to keep the dragon glass, which was which is huge, and he ends up finding that out, and he reads about the passageway to get under, like, through the wall from the outside to the other side in the Night Fort... Outside of that, you know, his intelligence, right, like, he, he reminds me of someone who's, like, very, very book smart, but just street dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like Austin, you can recite, like, numbers yeah. on a page, but, like, you know, I, you know, you never want him around if there's a big catastrophe, because, like, not only is he not going to be helpful, he could hurt you. <laughs> you always hear that phrase, too, like, people that can't do teach. Right. You almost feel like he should be, like, a maester or something. Which is what he goes <laughs> Yeah, through, right? exactly, right? So, got it right. It's just, you know, it, it's got to be frustrating for, for the Brothers of the Night's Watch. And speaking about the Brothers of the Night's Watch, uh, this is where our, our boy Jon Snow he ends up being introduced to Mance Raider for the first time. Mance Raider. Dude, tell me what you feel. I, I liked Mance Raider. Like, I thought he was the coolest, like, honestly. He had uh, great ideals. Great. You know, obviously, he was able to kind of put together an entire army of people who spoke different languages, like people who didn't, like, like clans that didn't like each other, that hated each other. So Mance was able to do all of that, like, by himself. Yeah. And, you know, that's really cool. <clears throat> I do think, as far as the show goes, this is something Wise and Benninghoff did really well. Because uh, I think at this point in the seasons, the show was really starting to get um, a really big pickup from audiences. Like, this yeah. is when a lot of audiences really lashed on. And a lot of people don't know, so Mance Raider, the guy that plays him, the actor, was actually in the show Rome. Which had like eight seasons before on HBO. Yeah, I didn't know. I couldn't remember very much, but I remember him from being there, so I looked it up. So that actually is true. I'm not pulling that off the top. Nice. No, it's but yeah. uh, But it's almost like it grabbed the rest of that audience. I was like, oh, we've seen this guy from somewhere. 
Now I want to know more because when you first see Manzerator, it's like when John first really gets thrown into the middle of the wildlings. Yeah, he has like he has to convince Manzerator that like he wants to be a wildling or he will die in that tent. You right. know what I mean? Like yeah. so <laughs> you're absolutely yeah. right there. And and this is cool too because what I really love about season three as a TV series, it's the one season that did a great job because we have issues and we'll talk about it later on. Of where like resources were allocated when it comes to budget, this did this was awesome of having great CGI and special effects while still really deep into the storylines of each character. Because you remember what we saw in the Wild Game, we saw giants for the first time. Right, and they did an yeah. amazing job with like, how the giants looked. Yeah, as far as visually stunning, I mean, that's what's great about Game of Thrones. Whether you like whether each season was, no one can honestly say the visuals were not downright gorgeous um yeah so today we're really going to dive into episodes one through five yeah we're doing one through five today the reason why we need to break it up uh you know if you guys watched us last time we had a three an hour podcast we want to kind of make it easier for everybody so we're going to do uh, an hour and a half today hour and a half yeah. uh, next week right yeah next week excellent so yeah, John, John uh, Snow is now wilding camp as a prisoner. We see giants for the first time, Immense Raider. Now, this is, this is where a key difference for me is from the books to the series. Remember what he tells Vance Raider, why he wants to be a wildling in the series, in the TV. He tells him that, I, 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 I saw what, uh, what's out there and what Craster does to his baby boys. And I, when I told uh, Lord Commander Mormont, he already knew, and I want to be one that fights for this side of the living. And that's that's what happened in the TV series. Now in the books, it's about talking about how he never felt accepted because he was a bastard at Winterfell with all of like, the highborn Starks. So it was really interesting how they decided to completely like, <laughs> rewrite yeah, that, right. that thing there. So I mean, both of them work. Uh, it's a little less melodramatic, I guess, the way they went with in the series, but there was that was a key difference there. That was, and I really think this is where you kind of start to see, because uh, George was, I don't want to say behind, but doing his own schedule at this point, <laughs> you kind of start to see, in little aspects here and there, not so full as season 7 and 8, but that there are some pretty big differences in the show mm-hmm. that were in the books. And like the thing is, like some of them work. Like Some right, differences yeah, work do. and are great. Yeah. And then we'll get into ones that don't, don't right, well, at least yeah. in our opinion, right? So, uh, you know, and this is this is also now that we kind of covered where everyone's at up at the wall down back down in King's Landing. Remember Tyrion earlier? Uh, he had his face like sliced by the sword. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. And he has a he decides to make an audience with his father, and his sister comes to try to like basically in a non-verbal way threaten him like hey don't don't tell father that i tried to have you killed right right so yeah. uh, that was interesting and, and it was funny because his squire podrick he went to go get sir bron uh, and bron was with with uh one of his lady friends, and he, yeah. he said, I will murder you, boy. <laughs> He's like, it's a matter of life and death. He was so frustrated. <laughs> Which, that's one thing that's different in the books, too. Podrick is significantly younger Yeah. in the books, man. He's like 12 or 13, um, which we'll get into this later, but the whole virginity scene, that okay. kind of goes down. Like, if that actually went down in the books, you'd be thinking, 
Ten years old, eh? Yeah, it's a little <laughs> almost too much. Right. Um, but one thing I did like, remember when he goes into, jumping back a little bit, like when John goes in to meet Mance Raider, you know, your first seat to Mun there, and he tells him, don't look so grim, John, John Snow. It, he was expecting, almost like, you know that sense of fear you have when you first, like, walk in somewhere, almost like if you've been called into the principal's office? Like, it um, sound like your boss wants to meet you in their yeah, office. <laughs> like, right. What did I do? Like, uh, <laughs> this doesn't sound right. You get that, like, message through the email, and you're like, this doesn't sound right. And then he comes in, and it's not as bad as you think. Right, right. Um, which in the books, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Mance Raider in the books had at least heard about Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, before, so he had somewhat like respect for him, I guess, even though he's just getting started. Yeah, I think he was lighthearted in the books in a way, like when he walks in there, because Man started with singing, like he's like right, singing. he was singing the whole yeah, yeah. so in there. Um, but you know, that's kind of what you wind up realizing, especially in the show and in the books, is the wildlings aren't exactly as gruesome and intimidating as everyone uh, well, thinks. And the thing, uh, the reason is, is because, you know, the High Lords of Westeros, they want you to, th- they want you to dehumanize wildlings in your mind, not think of them like they're just other people that happen to be on the wrong side of the wall, which is the case. They want you to think that they're savages, like they, they you know, just you know, right. disgusting, horrible humans, yeah. where like it's, you know, this, it makes it easier to hate and kill them if you think that way, yeah. as opposed to like, oh, these are just other people that just happen to be on the wrong side of a big wall, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is like, you know, kind of goes into the moral of the story that people always share today. You know, you can't judge a book like it's covered. Right. Um, which then John starts to kind of see that side, as we saw in the second season leading into this one. It gets even more in detail with his relationship with Ingrid. Yeah, and he is, I'm glad you brought up her, him and Ingrid. Now, he, I think he really had, like, a huge moral d- dilemma. It's not like, you know, in the TV series, it's almost like, oh, he was a crow the entire time, and, like, he just pretended th- this whole way. Like, like yes, that's true, but, like, you know that he, in, in the books, he had a really tough time, because, like, there was, like, those ideals of being a wildling that he really did agree with, and he's like, oh, my gosh, like, being free, like, is important. Like, like I, I, he, he had a real big internal struggle, like, you know, do I do my duty? Yeah. Or like you know, I have this beautiful right. woman, like the first woman I've ever known in the in the marital sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Like not the uh, so uh, the biblical sense is what I meant. So, um, yeah. So he had a real big internal struggle of you know, do I attack the, the wall with the wild things <laughs> or do I do my duty and honor my family and everything I've stood for to this point? Right. Yeah, which I mean, as this episode kind of progresses. So you were talking about Tyrion. Um, yeah, I mean, you kind of start to see, as this episode goes on, you know, Tywin kind of becomes really the badass leader here and puts Tyrion and Cersei in, in their, their place. place. Yeah. Really in their place. Speak no more of your birthright. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a casterly rock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. Uh, and I feel like Tywin's always been in the in the back, kind of playing puppet master with things, and everyone's always been afraid of him. But this is where we really start to like see like what he's capable of doing and yeah. why his name carries so much weight and why he's got that reputation. Right. Yeah, so. and uh, going into one thing we did 
kind of need to go back to here is, uh, you know, Danos really, uh, after being Blackwater, he was pretty much stranded at this point. Oh, Sir Davos? Yeah, yeah. Sir Davos. Yep. Yeah, sorry, Danos. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Sir Davos. You know, I'm terrible names. <laughs> Especially when I'm <laughs> reading them off my notes here. Right. <laughs> yeah, Sir Davos. Basically stranded at this point, and completely his relationship with, you know, the Stannis and... And Melisandre is completely in shambles at this point. Right. You know, he, he never liked the, the Red Woman, ever. He always hated her, like, even in the books that he goes into more of how, like, he just doesn't think she's good for Stannis, and, like, she's making him do blood magic, and how Kingdom should never be taken by blood magic. But, you know, a very, very good point is that his, his relationship with Stannis is very, very... Um, in the in the series, in the books, it's a different because uh, Davos wasn't the one to convince Stannis to not bring Melisandre to the Battle of Blackwater right. Bay. Mm-hmm. It was a different uh, soldier. Yeah. But in the TV series, like it makes it seem like he was the one to convince him not to bring her, and she kind of manipulates the situation, saying, "Well, if I was there, we would have won." Exactly. And so now, he, in, yeah. in Stannis's mind, like, oh, I listened to like I listened to Davos and. This is all that's happening, you know, kind of like has a scapegoat to put the blame on, and so that's why their relationship is really strained now, and he's like stuck on that island, and that was something a little bit different in the books too, when he was stuck on that island. Yeah, it was completely, completely betrayed, but also on the island, remember, in the books, he keeps having the fevers and yes, the nightmares. Exactly, yeah. And that's one thing I feel like the books, like, you really almost grow, which don't get me wrong, you really do grow an emotional attachment to the characters in the show, but as far as the detail and almost feeling like you're inside their head and in their shoes, the book takes such a deep dive into it that you're so connected to these characters when things happen, you almost feel like they're happening to yourself. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, for sure. Now, the big one of the big differences is you know the fever that you were talking about, and the fact like this is the big difference is where he just kind of is washed up and had on shore, and they have uh, people come and rescue him in the boat. He actually has to decide if he has the will to live or not. Like he because he saw his son die. He was in the books. It was like very much like, do I even want to live? Like do I just want to like have this water come take me away? Like I like I don't really care. So he had to like really fight through that inner demon. And decide to live, and and that's that's what happened there. So, um, really, really good point. Uh, also, you know, we'd, we'd be remiss not to talk about the Northerners' march to Harrenhal, which was completely different from the books in the in the TV series as well. Yeah. So, Rob and Catelyn never actually go to Harrenhal in a Storm of Swords at all. Never happens, all. right? Yeah. So, like, Harrenhal is is initially held by Tywin and the brave com- the brave companions, and then when Tywin leaves. They kind of hold the fort, and they bring uh, like a small. Um, you know, there's a battle that they had against some of the northern army that wasn't uh, Rob Stark's main force, but they they captured um, they captured Great John Umber, and they like talking about putting him in the bear pit and things of that nature. Where in the TV series, that, none of that happened. So Arya made her like escape when. Um, the brave companions held it, and she had like like the, like the soup. Remember, she like boiled right, that, yeah. that soup and mm-hmm. threw it at people. So it was completely different. There, she unlocked, like you know, she helped the Northerners escape, and like they overthrew Harrenhal, and like the Northerners held Harrenhal. Where in the TV series, 
they go there and there's a huge massacre. Like everyone's right. dead, all the yeah. mothers are dead. That's when we meet Kyburn for the first time, the guy who helps Jamie heal his, like that little stump on his hand. Um, which is like you know what, what a way to re- wait, what a way to repay. <laughs> Uh, like the Northerners for saving your life, you just join Cersei and become her like henchman. Like, like that yeah. sucks, man. Yeah, pretty messed so, up. So uh, yeah, you know the Heron Hall situation completely different there. Which don't get me. Which correct me if I'm wrong, but Heron Hall was actually occupied by Roose Bolton at one point. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, when when yeah. after she helped the Northerners take over um, the thing, like yeah, Roose Bolton. Holds holds Heron Hall at that point. Yeah, and that's where she makes her escape. Is with she was Bruce Bolton's cupbearer. Yeah, right. That, yeah, so. yeah, it was Bruce yeah exactly. Cupbearer. Right, yeah. and um, they make the escape there with, with Jack and Hagar helping them, you know, facilitate that. Just different in, in the series. Right now, mm-hmm. um, one one other thing too that I want to mention about Heron Hall is you, this place is supposed to be haunted. So you kind of almost have like a foreshadow that whoever like stays there, bad things are going to happen. And the fact that right. you know the Northern Army was the, was there in the books, and then Rob Stark and Catelyn were there in the TV series with the Northern Army, you, you start to think, okay, like some bad misfortune is going to happen. Kind of take put yourself in that situation, right? You almost feel like you're on an episode of Ghost Hunters. <laughs> like, could you imagine you're dealing with all this shit that's going down, and you're sitting there, and you're like, wow. The last thing I'm really worried about is being haunted, but in the middle of the night, the sheets are probably going to be ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, that's the last thing I would worry about, but still, that's pretty bad. Pretty much everything that happened in Heron Hall, nothing was of the positive. Yeah, no, it was, it's like a desolate area that, you know, the dragons destroyed, and, um, you know, that, that kind of brings us to, you know, the fact that Tywin held the first, that... He actually, going back to King's Landing, things are kind of like heating up for the war. He's, right. he's, he's, like, he's like writing notes to people and sending it. You don't see a lot of that in the TV series, and I wish you did, because it really kind of... What ends up happening, and we're not going to go there right now, but at the end of the season is talked about earlier in the books and like you have... You're almost like more prepared for it. You have an idea something's happening, which is kind of... a a good testament to the TV series, like way to catch us off guard. <laughs> I will say that, um, but yeah, just just details differently. And this is around the same time where Daenerys she's sailing to to Astapor, right? Which going back to Ty- Tywin before we jump right into Daenerys, one thing I loved about him in the show is you almost ask yourself, is this who I would want to be king? Like, I think Tywin would have made a great king, because he wasn't willing to put up with anyone's shit. Including he, Joffrey's. <laughs> including Joffrey's, right? Uh, there's even that point where he Listen was like, <laughs> Listen, Joffrey, if you would like to be carried up to the tower, yeah. because that's where I work, I'd be happy to bring you up there. And Joffrey, of like you learn, is still a little bitch. Yep. It, it is, it, he insulted the, the king with, like, using polite words. It was awesome. Yeah, it was uh, absolutely. The thing is, like, realistically, Tywin was the king. And he, he, it says that in one of the quotes where, uh, you know, jumping ahead again, not going too far into it, but Tyrion said, you just put the, the most powerful man in Westeros to bed without his supper. And Tywin says, you're a fool if you think he's the most powerful man in Westeros. Exactly. So Tywin's, like, yeah. really much acting king with just Joffrey having the name and all that stuff and, you know, being a yeah. bad all the time. And so, I just, I don't know. Tywin... As a king, 
it's just, he only cares about his own house, family, name, and glory. You know, he. I just I don't I don't think he'd make a, a great ruler of the kingdom. I don't know, man. I mean, he. I I'm not saying I would be the one to be like, yes, I'm so glad you're in power. <laughs> but as far as who else was in there. I think it was great because he didn't care about whatever their thoughts were. Like he was directly going for his own decisions. Let, um, let's talk about that for a second. Like if we talk about the the at this point the war of five or six kings, if you include Mansfrader beyond the wall and Balin Greyjoy, whatever you want to have as the fifth one, who do you think would make a better ruler of the best ruler of the seven kingdoms? Me personally or audience? You personally, yeah. Because I want to give you my, my thoughts and why uh, why each one would or wouldn't be great in my estimation. I want to hear what you think about... Out of everybody or out of just those three? Out of the five kings. Out of, out of, out of uh, you know, Joffrey, where you can you know basically say Tywin because he's really running everything there. Um, him, Rob, Renly. I mean, Renly's dead at this point. But if we would have included him, Renly, Stannis, and, and Balin Greyjoy, like... Who do you think would have been the best king? Not just what your heart tells you, like who's the most kind, but like, like, it, not just in theory, but in practice, who could run a kingdom the best? Actually, you drive an excellent point there. Um, wow, that's that's actually really good. Uh, Joffrey, you can almost make the argument like. Of course, Joffrey is basically just a figurehead yeah. at this point. He is. He, I mean, as you've seen in the show, he's just a complete bitch. He, he doesn't even want to walk up the stairs to go to the meetings, <laughs> which, of course, Tywin didn't really want him there right. anyway. Yeah. He was just playing into the whole feed to get his thing over on himself. He didn't want to go into the whole marriage thing, which we'll go into later. Um, but even as far as... So let's just kind of go down the list here, right? Yeah. Let's start with Rob. So, Rob, in the beginning of season one and season two, you really feel like Rob is going to get his vengeance for Ned, and you almost feel that sense of emotion like you want him to be the hero, though, right? Yeah. Based on this season and his mistakes he's made, I cannot claim him as a good king. Sorry, I cannot. Right, and guys, don't get us wrong in saying like all these people like have a claim to Westeros or want to rule Westeros because obviously Balin Greyjoy just wants to be the king of the Iron Islands. Mansfader has no ideals of you know ruling in Westeros either, and Rob just wants to be the king of the North, everything north of the Neck, right? So we're just thinking in theory here, who would be the best king for the Seven Kingdoms, and. I agree. I, I, at first, you want to say Rob because he's a fair, he he seems fair and just. He's a good boy, but he he's not quite there yet. Like he's got a brilliant strategic mind for military battles, but the nuances and knowing when to do things and when not to do things, he doesn't have that. I think you hit the nail on the head, which I have to agree with you a hundred percent. Because as far as battles, going all the way back to what he did with Jamie, mm -hmm. it was absolutely, it was genius. Yeah. Absolutely genius. He knew he was going to lose hundreds in the front end, but on the back end captured Jamie, right? But as far as what you see in this season and the alliances he has, you can tell he was like that kid in school. 
<laughs> that was focused on like math class that completely made the A on every math test. But then in English, he was failing miserably because he didn't turn in his homework. Like, he yeah. literally didn't focus on the whole picture. Right. Going as far as, you know, we'll go into the marriage thing later and the alliances he was thinking about. But why didn't you think about that from the beginning? If you're a king, you're supposed to put your your country over yourself. Yep, 100%. And that's the problem. So I have to, honestly, I hate to even say this because Rob is my favorite out of every single one. Right. Man, it is, and I hate to say this, I honestly hate to say this, I have to rank Rob last. Last? Interesting. I have to rank him last, and here's why. So, I would rank Rob last out of the five, right? Yep. Or six, whatever you want. Or six, however you want to rank it. So, I would rank him last, and then I would rank Joffrey second. And the reason I would rank Joffrey second is because he's really not running the show. As far as who's making the decisions, you know, I mean, it's almost like here today, like, if you have, you know, an actual party really influencing on decisions of what's going on, which that's a whole nother situation. But as far as that, I would have to rank Joffrey fourth or fifth, however you would say it. Because at least Joffrey as a person, whether I agree with his decisions or not, which I think he's a sick bastard, and I don't <laughs> agree with any of his decisions, he was willing to stick to it. And he looked at the whole picture in general as far as even as the Battle of Blackwater, right? As far as last week that we went into. He's still dressed in the armor. He still went out there with Tyrion because he still saw it for his whole country. But that's what do you agree with Reed because, not, right? like, well, yes and no, because that's more like he. Joffrey, the reason why Joffrey's got to be last, at least from my estimation, is because he just does what he's told. He never has any of these ideas for himself. Okay. Right? Like, all these things, like, he's told to go out there and that will boost morale. He doesn't do it because. He thinks he thinks of it himself, like, oh my, my people will love to see me out here just as a as a boost of morale. Like he's told it, no, like you need to dress up in honor so people see you out there. Like like <laughs> that he has to be told to yeah. do everything. Everyone yeah. else is like telling him what to do. He's just he literally has been this entire time a figurehead. The only decision he made was to take Ned Stark's head. That's the only decision he made and ended up causing the entire war of the, <laughs> the country. So he'd be the worst king. <laughs> he is the worst king. But here's the argument, though. Like, what if you chose great influencers? Like Tyrion, right? Like, what if Tyrion was your advisors and you went with the decision the entire time? But he didn't. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, saying right? I, I, get, I get what you're saying. Like, if, you, if you're, you know, yourself not great at certain things, that's why you have advisors uh, to kind of help you out with that. And you know who's great, actually, you know, and uh, we don't even think about her, is Daenerys, right? Daenerys. She, she does phenomenal. a great job. Which, if you, uh, any of you need to know, I am... Uh, <laughs> I would say, like I said, a Lannister mixed with a Targaryen. <laughs> yeah, he's way. got a lot of love for Daenerys. I know him yeah, well. And, uh, definitely a Targaryen here. <laughs> so she does a great job of taking her advisor's like advice or at least listening to it. 
So the Joffrey just doesn't do that. Like, you know, if like, we can say if and what, but then we can do the same thing for every other king. Like, what if Rob did that? Like, if Rob, Rob listened to his mom and didn't send Yeah, him, like, but Rob did, did you know. but Rob, he, And that's what I'm saying. Joffrey didn't either. He just was who he was. He was told what to do. Oh, man. And this is where we really get into the debates on the yeah, show. Yeah, I love great. it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and this is because you can't say, here's my problem. It's mm-hmm. Joffrey, right? Joffrey, you really can't say didn't take the advice of his advisors because Tywin walked into that room where he's sitting on the throne later in the season and he said these are council meetings you don't even need to be a part of and he sat there and listened to it so whether he's smart or not I'm not arguing he's smart I don't think he is at all I think he's literally just a public figure. At least he keeps his haircut shaved in the show. <laughs> in the books, he has a long, nasty hair. Curly hair with a crown, right? I mean, my point is, is at least if he had good advisors, and he was just kind of like a doll in there where they were pulling all the strings, what if he did become... A great king. Like, what if, right? Remember the trial, the tournament that he had. The tournament that he had. For his name day? For his name day, right? Okay. Remember when he was really just trying to be, let's be honest, and, you know, this is why this show is explicit. What Joffrey is, he's a complete dick. Like, let's be real. Um, he's not really, he's not a sadistic genius. He's not overly, like, strong or powerful. He's just a complete tool. He's like that kid in the class that goes and tries to make a joke about someone that's super smart, just to make a joke and be like, oh, you're a point dexter. But you turn around and you're like, dude, you're failing the class. (laughs) Like, dude, you just lost. Like, what is your big deal here? But what if he wound up being... What if he had advisors that were like, say, Albert Einstein, or he had you know, Steve Jobs as an advisor, it makes you wonder what this kid could have been if he literally was a robot. Like, that's why I'd rank him fourth, because I... I, But you can make the argument for anyone. Like, like that same argument you just made, you can make that for any one of these people. What if these people all had great advisors? What could have they... What could they have done? Because if Rob would listen to you know, certain little small pieces. His whole his whole campaign would have turned out very differently. We were talking before we started the show of the small things. We want to save it for the second half um, so we won't go too far into it. But if he listened to, you know, Bruce Bolton, Bruce Bolton wouldn't have betrayed him, right? If he would have listened to his mom, Theon wouldn't have gone to the Iron Islands and they wouldn't have taken it. Like, like, so if he would have listened to his advisors, it's the same thing. And same thing with all these other kings. Like, Renly, you know, if they just had all these... Um, the great right. advisor, and you listen okay. to him. It's, I mean, that's the same argument you can make for anybody. What and if? My question is, as they are, who they are, the, the ranking of who is the best okay. king. I agree with that. So you've got you've got Rob last. You got Joffrey second to last. If we're ranking who they are yes. versus their style, because I was looking as far as their style, I guess yes, I would have to rank Joffrey last for who he is. Right. So who they are as kings. As a person. You know, yeah. and again, who the, like, making good kings for who they are as they're portrayed in the books and in the TV series. Right. So you've got, okay, so now you've got uh, Joffrey last, Rob second to last, who else you got? Rob second to last because he still put himself over. Yeah, no, no, yeah, he did. You got Absolutely. Agreed. Um, as far as the show, uh, definitely goes. Um, third, 
I guess I would put Stannis because yep. he was willing to. Stannis was kind of like that guy that's willing to do you dirty to get what he wants. <laughs> it's 100% what he got it. Yeah. He, <laughs> like, he was literally like, all right, man, yeah, that's cool. Um, I'm still going to go ahead and F you over. I'm still going to fuck you over here. That's cool. <laughs> Let's, uh, I, hope, I hope everything's going well. Um, you know, we're going to be best friends until the end of this year in school. And then the last day, you know, Fuck you, man. I'm still going to cheat on your test, bro. Like, it's still happening, man. So, yeah, I mean, to the point that you bring up alone, like, willing to do whatever it takes to get what he wants, um, you know, he impregnated the Melisandre with a shadow child that, yeah. like, stabbed Renly. Like, Which is another He's using blood point. magic. Later we'll talk about how he uses Gendry when all of that goes yeah, down. Yeah, all that but, goes down. But, like, you know, so he's literally willing to do anything by all costs, and no king that's willing to do everything at any cost to just to have the power is going to be a good king. So, yeah, um, never, okay. So after, after that, where do you go from him? I guess I would rank Braylon... And the point is, Braylon, I wouldn't rank him one because I don't know enough about him. Like, it's almost like you don't dive deep enough into his history to really know what his secrets are and how he feels certain ways. But you gotta at least give him credit as far as, at least in Clash of Kings in Season 2, he definitely stands his ground. And and he's smart, too. You think about it, like, while all these armies are fighting their, their wars, he's sneaking in and taking their homes. Like, he took Deepwood Mott and then yeah. he takes money. Like, you know, so, yeah, he's, he's strategic and he's ruthless. Don't think he'd make a great king. Um, okay, so then after that, you kind of got Mance Raider and, and Renly. Yeah, and I would uh, rank Renly number one. Um, I mean, until that incident, unfortunately, with Melisandre. I mean, he was willing to take his throne, but as you kind of look back... He really was about his people and accepting all the people the way they were and as far as really uniting the kingdom, which is what it was about, um, as far as, I mean, that's the thing when you got to look at as far as a king goes, right? It's almost like a, a president or whatever you have out there really just keeping the country together. You had to completely step, take a step back mm-hmm. and stop putting yourself first. As far as whatever your self needs are, Renly was never about it. He was really, if you look as far as his confrontation with Stanless, Stannis and him, right? Yeah. Stannis was always more of the one that was like, this is my throne. I don't care if you're my brother. Right. Um, I don't care if we have to do separate mothers here. I'm going to go ahead and take this. Renly was sitting back and he was like, well, this is my throne and I deserve to take it, but I'm still going to do what's right for my people. Um, and I'm going to make what's right right. So I would still rank him number one, in my okay. opinion. Yeah, and to kind of give you a, a quick you know, list of where I would put things, uh, I think Joffrey would be last for me. Obvious reasons, we kind of went into that. Uh, second to last, I would put Stannis. I would put Stannis as second to last. Because like I said, if you're just willing to do anything and everything to, to be in power because you believe it's your right, you know, he had a good claim to the throne, 
because you know Joffrey shouldn't have been king in the first place. He's bastard born of incest through Jamie and Cersei, right? So he's got a good claim, but like no one loved him, and you need to have at least some support from the people. Uh, you know, they they literally chose his younger brother. Like all the the banners chose Renly over Stannis because like, yeah, no one yeah. likes him, and, and he was voted on. Like that's what people forget. Like, like he was chosen. It wasn't like he just came there by. I mean, of course, yes, it was his birthright for who he was, but still, like the people still chose Renly for who he over was. Stannis. Yes, yeah. because like you know you had to declare for one of them, and you know. Renly had that, that it factor, so I'll get into that later, but like in terms of my rankings. So second to last would be Stannis for me. Third to last would be um, Balon Greyjoy. And only, Man, that is pretty super pretty low. I, I mean it should be. You saw the way he treated his sons. He he failed in the in the rebellion when uh, Robert I mean, he failed in Robert's rebellion when Ned Stark and Robert uh, kind of put him in his place and killed his sons. So, like, he's got great fleet. They're great, like, sea people. But that's all they know is the islands and the sea. Like, well, they, they don't they don't have any sort of idea of how to rule anything. They're, they're almost, like, savages that are good at fighting, and, like, they have a great navy. I wouldn't like, say complete savages, of, which I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah. Um, uh, if it's okay. So, no, yeah, no. What do you, um, like, I, I think, that's what I think. Like, I think of the Ironborn. You gotta say, though, he's still, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, I keep interrupting you, but as far as Theon, though, mm-hmm. remember when Theon pulled that shit last season? <laughs> that last, literally, last clash of kings where he thought he was king of the rock? He kept telling him, listen, man, basically, layman's terms, layman's terms right here, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. So get off my rock. That's literally what he was telling him. So you got to at least give him the fact of he knows what he stands for. So as a person, right, what if his all his actions were in the good? Because you really don't know that much about him. You can't sit here and say you know as much about him as you do Rob. Right. I mean, nobody does. He, he, he's kind of like an afterthought supporting character, but he, right. like, you know, he wants to be king of the Iron Islands. But I'm just talking about from a ruler's standpoint, what they know as people, they only know the sea. That's what, you know, they only know further. They, they have no idea. Well, you don't know if he only knows the sea. That's what if he knew the air? What if he knew the grass? They did, he didn't. He <laughs> like, the grass what, what if he like, was a pesticide manager? That's why they, they were so quick to, like, overthrow. Like, when he was thrown from the thing, like, they were so quick to not be able to choose between Yoron and Yara. Because even though Yara was brought up in the entire way of Balon, like, they didn't have any love for him. Like, he did, like they're, just, they're just an island people who, like, respond to people in power. And so... I, I, I just don't. I, I, that's my my own opinion. I don't think I would put him as third to last. Uh, right above him would be Mance Raider. Okay. As uh, I like, I, th- I Mance would be cool in the terms of like, an idealistic person, but because he's able to unite, like, like I said, like tribes of people beyond the wall who don't speak the same, who want to kill each other. He was able to bring them all together. But like, the, like John was telling uh, Egret. He's like, listen, you guys are going to lose because you're undisciplined. Like, you, you, you have no idea. Yeah. Like, you know, he, uh-huh. now, the nuances, you don't know how he's going to manage money and things of that, allocating resources to where, like, all he wants to do is, is just be free. And, like, being free does not make you a good king. So I wouldn't put him number one, but I would put him above the others I mentioned. Now, in terms of second, I would put Rob Stark as my second choice out of the five because, like we said, very small, minuscule 
details that ended up being big like consequences later on. All those things, and you got to remember, Rob was 15 years old. You know, what young boy didn't make mistakes at 15? You know I what I mean? That. So, like, as he grows and matures, he can learn from those mistakes. And he has, you know, he's got the honor, like, code from his father. He's a very good man. Like, he wants to do what's right and justice. He just, he didn't, he didn't think everything through the way he maybe should have, right? So, I think with a few years of learning, he would have been a good king. But I agree with your number one overall. I think Renly would have been the best king out of all of them. He had the love of the people. He had the look. If you remember, he was like characterized as Robert Reborn um, in in the books, yeah, right? Exactly. So like, 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 just you know, had the gift of making people around him like gravitate towards him, and like, like we said, you know, people loved him. You know, that's and that's a huge for a kingdom. Uh, he was he was good with you know money. He obviously bought himself extravagant right. like armor and, and things of that nature, but. Like he, his, you know, implied love interest in the book and his actual love interest in the TV series, Loras of Highgarden, like they, they had this outside the Lannisters, um, the Tyrells are the richest family in Westeros. Right. So like he's got them at their back, you know, so he's got all the right people in all the right places. He's got the look, he's got the style and you know, he's got the right last name too. So I would for sure put put Renly number one at the top of who I think would make the best kings out of all of them. And Wait, that was a kind of fun little digression oh, that we yeah, did. That was kind of cool. That was unplanned, guys. Yeah, I promise. Unplanned, unplanned. I <laughs> but, which I got to completely agree with you two. One guy I the league off was Man's Raider. And he is, you know, I'd almost argue whether or not I put him above Renly, I would still put Renly number one, mm-hmm. just for all the reasons you said, and how he can unite the kingdom. Um, only for this reason, man's a raider. Um, he is, so he's very calm, right? And you almost expect him to be somewhat intimidating when, you know, John meets him. Um, and he is able to bring all the wildlings together. But, of course, the wildlings have the reputation they have because they haven't been able to unite with the common people. Right. He was like, on the wrong side. Right. So that's why I would actually rank him second. That is someone I did leave off. So I'll go back to correct it for what I said. Because I do have to completely agree with you on those terms. Uh, The fact you said, I mean, you just... Sorry, uh, for any of the viewers out there that disagree with you, you can't sit there and argue with it if you've ever done your research, because yeah. that's that's dead on. Um, so I would probably I would rank Man's Raider second. Raider second. Okay. What I would say. So for my top five, going from one to five, just to break it down, because I know we kind of went into an explanation, might not have like, caught it. Number one for me was Renly. Number two was Rob. Number three was Man's Radar. Uh, number four was Balin Greyjoy, number five was Stannis Baratheon, number six was Joffrey. Yeah, so I would put uh, Renling as number one, Man's Raider as number two, <laughs> Stannis as number three, um, Joffrey as number four, and I, uh, I'm missing one guy. Rob. Uh, Rob as number five. Uh, just because, which... I got to go into this for a minute. You know, this was a tough part um, for me to put that. Because in this book, and as far as the show, 
man, I was beyond. I was behind Rob all the way. Same. Rob to this day is my favorite character. You know what? Like it, it's funny because now that I've gone gone back and watched this objectively and not trying to have any emotional connection because we've been doing this podcast. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. Got to give people like a non-objective, uh, like an objective viewpoint, not just like who I like on bias. Like I still, Rob's been my favorite character since the show started. He had all, he was fighting for all the right reasons. Yes. He like his people loved him and things like that. But watching the mistakes that he made and seeing that he did a lot of things out of selfish action, I'm like, you know what? Like, I can see why this happened. Yeah, it's like you know what it's like. <laughs> Which actually, my favorite football player is Tim Tebow. <laughs> we won't bring him <laughs> into this. But it's it's like that guy you absolutely love on your sports team, right? But for some reason, and he's the guy you want to make on the starting lineup the entire time. And he keeps missing the damn plays. <laughs> and they're like, dude, I've told you to run a post route five fucking times. Like, excuse my <laughs> language. But as a coach, you're enough to make a pastor cuss at the moment. Because I've told you to run a post route, and for some reason, you keep running into the flat. Like, please explain. Or even if you're playing soccer, right? I've told you to be a forward. I've told you to be a goalie a hundred times. And you keep trying out on the defense position. Well, think about yeah, all the, like, the mistakes that he made. Like, the one that just, like, you know, labeled him out. Some of the biggest things that he did. He broke his vow to not marry the, the Frey girl, which right. we yeah. saw how that turned out. He didn't listen to Roose Bolton when Roose Bolton said he should have people flayed to get, like, information out of. He said, this is, you know, my father outlawed or whatever. He's, like, he's still stuck in his ideals and, like, you know, that, like almost like a holier-than-thou attitude, which never ends up turning off anyone. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. Um, which this is why this is a debate show, because right. I can jump in in a minute. As far as John, I think that's why we saw him take the arc he took, right? Yeah. Which, as far as, you know, no spoilers alert, but, of course, if you watch the show, you've probably seen it at some point. <laughs> you know, John plays a main point because no matter what his decisions are, as far as even, you know, later on with the girl he loved the most, he put his country first. And if you go all the way down to the line, even to the very end... If it was for his personal decision, John would have chose himself. But it wasn't about John at that point. Yeah. It was about Arya. It was about Sansa. It was about everyone in the North. It was about everyone in, in Westeros. It was about everyone in Essos. It was about everyone in King's Landing at that point. It was literally about everyone else besides himself. Yeah, no, and he, he, when we go forward into this, you know, for other seasons, John really does put everyone else's like needs for himself um we'll jump into that in a little bit but you know cool. then, then back to like the mistakes that i think rob's made so we talked about how you know he married the fray girl how he ignored Bruce bolton's advice and also in heron hall like when they arrived in the series this is just the series he like Bruce is trying to tell him he should set up a perimeter outside like you know like um, right yeah and do that and he just he completely ignores it and on top of that, he, like, we talk about, you know, Catelyn saying, you know, you don't want Greyjoy for an ally, like Balon Greyjoy, you don't send Theon. And he did it anyways, you know, and then uh, when Ricard Karstark 
uh, you know, spoiler alert, what we're going to talk about later on, uh, he, <laughs> he kills, like, the two Lannister boys. Yeah. Like, they're, everyone's in there, like, counseling and restraint. Like, even Edmure, the idiot, the uncle, the uncle idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like, he goes, like, he's like, listen, like, just hold Ricard Carswick captive and say, you know, no harm will come to them as long as you stay and remain loyal to our cause and fight with us still. Yeah. And, like, and, like yeah, don't kill him, don't kill him. And what's he do? He takes his head because, like, his, like, quasi... Uh, you know, appeal for what he believes justice is. So, Rob made a lot of like little small errors that you know he just. And that that's that was his undoing. I guess that's my guy, and I love Rob. Rob's my favorite character, yeah. but he which is tough. Of, made a lot of character. Yeah, made, made a lot of errors, man. Yeah, for all our viewers out there, I mean, it's it's tough for us too because we're just like you, man. I mean, even. I mean, we're just like you. We literally go back through the shows. We go back through the books. Yeah. And you become attached to these characters. So you want to grab on to somebody. Um, just like even if you go into Harry Potter, obviously you want to grab on to Harry, right? Harry's but, not my favorite, but... <laughs> okay, there you go. But, I mean, it's like you want to grab on to these people. And from an outside objective, when we do this show... You have to, yeah. The you facts are the facts. You like, know? you're someone else. Exactly. Sorry, and I'm sorry, but it's like, just like you're a coach on a team. You have to evaluate your people, and unfortunately, Rob made some serious mistakes. Very fixable. That <laughs> Didn't do it, though. If he had fixed those tiny threads in his plan... This whole outcome could have been completely different. Just that one we just talked about, the fact that he decided not to, uh, he decided to kill Ricard Karstark instead of keep him as, a, as an ally. Guys, think about this. He would never have needed the, the, um, the phrase to make up for the, the lack of army that he had um, when the Karstarks deserted after he killed Ricard Karstark. He would have had all of them, he would never have needed to go back to the twins. He would he would have had enough to take over Casterly Rock, and then like the war would have continued from that point. He had never lost a battle to that point. They would never have thought they weren't thinking about it over in King's Landing that Rob was going to take Casterly Rock. Like, don't kill Grigio Karstark. You've got the men. You can take Casterly Rock, and the war continues. Yeah, which I'm not saying I agree with the decision of what Karstark did, but if you right. as, as far as a leader, but like, right? if you're not going to kill Jamie Lannister. Why like why was that right. important to kill yeah, him? Like exactly, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like you you you've been like restraint in term, in terms of killing everybody. He didn't kill the spy. He let the spy go and tell Tywin, which actually was a great military idea to tell Tywin they're coming out in full force. And then like from you know sideswipe him, yeah. sideswipe Jamie at the Battle Whispering Wood. And then he also let um, Jamie live for for you know the entirety until Catelyn released him. So. Why was it so important to execute him then and now? And just like that, why was it important to marry Talisa, even though she doesn't like appear in the books? Why was it so important? Like, wait until the war is over, man. Like, like, like you could have just wait. Like, you got no, just no impulse control. You just got to do it. And that's why you know, these small little things. Which, if he never doesn't marry that other girl, he just waits till afterwards. Like, hey, like, sorry, I screwed you over, Walder. After the war, you know, like, he, that's, he, he doesn't. Yeah, nothing yeah. happens, but he screws them over, and like, like they're fighting a war with the most yeah. powerful man in Westeros, which is Tywin Lannister. Like, yeah, Rob is the guy that literally like meets a girl at the club who's super hot. Don't get me wrong; like, she's the club hottie, right? And he thinks he's gonna get no better, so he acts on impulses. As like, 
got in married on the first day. Yeah, yeah. First, <laughs> first time. They're like, get yeah. over yourself. No confidence, like, right? Like, the thing is, he was almost like he was overconfident because he had never lost a battle. He just thought, no matter what choices he made, like, listen, like, <laughs> the first time I saw him really realize that like he wasn't doing as good as it appeared is when. He told his uncle Edmure, he's like, I've won every battle, but we're losing this war. Yeah. Like, 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 yeah, Agreed. no kidding. Agreed. Be smarter, man. Agreed. And, like, Agreed. even, like, in the series, Rikai Karstark, like, he's like, may I speak frankly, or Grace? He's like, you haven't been speaking frankly. He's like, I think we lost this war the moment you decided to marry her. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, which is exactly true. Yeah. Like, that's what happened. Which, luckily, I mean, you know, things come to pass and things... Yeah. Turn around a little bit, but, but as far as what was to be, what was what we were looking forward to, and the vengeance that was going to take place, his decisions are absolutely futile. Like, it's just it, it's sad because, like I said, what great character had his heart in the right place, idealistic. He's like Ned Stark all over again, but younger and like you know almost like more battle accomplished too. Yeah. Like, he was he was who you really wanted. Well, and it's funny what you bring up. He's almost like a resemblance. Damn, man! I and I hate to keep using this language, but it's this season is so detailed and with emotion, right? And you almost want to compare him to his dad, but he's not his dad, right? Because he didn't make the decision that his dad would have made. His, his dad literally married Catelyn Tully in the books. This wasn't really talked about in the series at all. Like, he was, I mean, I guess it is alluded to in the first season, I apologize, but Catelyn was actually supposed to marry Ned Stark's older brother, and then when he died in King's Landing, it fell to him and his responsibility and duty to marry her. So it ended up working out because, like, they fell in love and they built that love over time, which is, like, what Catelyn was trying to tell Rob that he should do with the Frey girl and not worry about, you know, this one. So you're absolutely right. Ned Stark would not have made that decision, and it wouldn't have cost him. And Ned Stark always thought with his brain. Now he thought with his mm. heart. No. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say he thought with his brain. Well, look at that, uh, this decision he made. He, like, remember, remember the words that Robert Baratheon said, like, Ned, Ned Stark, you're an honorable fool. And it's exactly what he is. Like, very, very honorable. Like, he, he does things, like, the right way, but they're not necessarily the smartest way. So then you almost want to make an argument, maybe Rob is more like his dad. Because here's the problem, though, right? He's so in between in his decisions. You can tell both of them their heart is in the right yeah, place. Yeah, the heart's absolutely in the right place. Heart is in the right place. Now, do they take a step back and realize what is best for everybody? Not so much. Look at Ned, right? Yeah. Then you can go into Ned. If he really thought what was best for his daughters, there's no way in a million years he would have said what he said. Oh, yeah, understand. right. And in terms of like, you know, like I, the thing was that was Joffrey's treachery. I, I don't, I don't really blame Ned Stark. It sucks because of how it turned out. And I know we we're digressing here, going back to season one, right? But what we're talking about and what we're alluding to is that you know, with Ned there. He thought that, and everyone really thought. Yeah, I mean, not not myself. I had my like. The only thing that ever really caught me by surprise in Game of Thrones. It, it's funny, like you guys are not going to believe me, and that's okay. At the battle of like the Long Night, 
in season eight, I, I literally wrote down everybody who was going to die and who was going to all who was going to survive, and I was writing every single one of them. Like exactly. nothing, no, nothing surprises me. Nothing surprises me at all. Like when they like I had a, like I knew that Ned Stark was going to die uh, when Joffrey took his head. I was like, nah, Joffrey has been like a sadistic like psychopath like this entire time in season one. There's no way he's just going to let him live it out. He's going to die. The only thing that ever caught me by surprise was what happened in episode nine of season three, the Red Wedding. That did catch me by surprise. So the fact is, is like when you're thinking about this from a logistical standpoint, it's like, listen, if Joffrey wasn't who he was, Ned Stark did the right thing. He he did the right thing by saying, I'm going to spare my daughter's lives by saying, you know, you know, any other person, any other king would have been like, okay, you're going to the wall, but you would have lived, right? But he should so, have known to read Joffrey by that point. Right. He had um, known Joffrey for that long to where you can't sit here and make the argu- argument and say he made the best but, decision. Uh, but the thing is, like, he didn't, though. Think about this. Uh, tell me how many times on screen you saw Ned Stark and Joffrey in the same room. In the same room, right. But you still know who's king. He was sitting there evaluating the hairs, who it was. He was sitting there knowing who he was as far well, as... Yeah, I think Robert Brathian was the one that was the king. Like, he was like serving Robert the whole time. Okay. Joffrey, yeah. like, he didn't even pay attention to Joffrey. Like, Joffrey like, had that one interaction with Sansa, and, like, like, you know, um, and Arya like, when they were traveling to King's Landing. So like, he really he was only trying to like, fix the realm. Like, listen, we're, we're a bunch of millions of crowns in debt. Like, Robert's an idiot, he's a drunk, I gotta, like, save him from himself, I gotta figure out who killed John Aaron. Like, Joffrey's, like, the, like what, who he was was the farthest thing from Ned's mind. So, Makes um, sense. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, from an outside perspective, if I was that character, yes, he probably didn't get too much interaction. Yeah. Interaction with Joffrey. Um... But okay, let's move on for a little bit. We kind of went. Yeah, on we, we, yeah, we did go on a little tear there, right? So, which uh, that's what the show is about, which is great. I mean, it, I think that we're really going to get into that more too. Is more of the debate stuff. Really, we've given you guys a lot of summaries of what's happened. But if you watch it, you can kind of draw your own conclusions on things. But a lot of things we're going to start getting into more of where we disagree on things and why. So that way, you know. When you're listening, you can kind of almost take a side on, you know, like, hey, I agree with you on this one, but I agree with him on this one, and kind of really put it together and really use our arguments with basis and facts and what happened in the series. Yeah, I think it makes it interesting when we're right. not just giving everybody what they've already seen and just going into more detail. Like, that's important. But it's also right. important that we're like, I, I draw my own conclusions from this, this show of what I think would have made it better, the, the, the flaws I see, you know, and then you do the same thing. It really, it really kind of brings it a different element, and it's really exciting. And so, well, even if you were that person, right? Because yeah. anyone can sit here and read a summary. You can go on Wikipedia.com, <laughs> right? Game of Thrones wiki, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, but this is really where we dive in deep on this stuff, which is what we've been talking about since episode one. You're not going to find a show out there that's anywhere relatable to exactly what we do. Right. We can break it down just like they can because everyone can see us here breaking it down just like everyone else's fantasy perspective. Like, you might have one podcast dedicated just to Game of Thrones or you might have one podcast dedicated dedicated just to Marvel, right? There's no podcast that's going to debate whether or not you were that character in that situation right. and what you would have done and how it could have been done differently. Yeah, I agree. And like, so think, think about what we do here. 
So, if we're, what I like to say, and when I tell people and I explain what we do as a podcast, this is what we do. Right? Like, and this is all for all the realms of fantasy. I'm just using Game of Thrones as an example because it's the arc we're on right now. Yeah. We break down the books. We break down the TV series. We, we show where they intertwine, where the differences are, opinions on what's done better, backed up with facts from each one of like why this was better than this one. Then we go into those side things like, okay, well, you know, in, in this situation, what could have been done differently? Then on top of that, we go into um, you know, rankings of, okay, you know, give me this and that. Like, why, why, why are your rankings here? I'll give you my rankings. And we go back and forth with each other, you know, again, just providing, you know, what we know from everything in here. So we, we put it all together. It's a debate show while breaking things down in detail and taking a step into the, the like almost like a first-hand point of view. If I if I'm this character, what I'm doing to make sure my like situation exactly. Yeah. So I challenge all you guys right now, um, which as far as comments and you know we've definitely been expanding in viewership, uh, which is phenomenal. Yeah. We love all you guys out there, and we definitely take a notice to it. But here's a question for you: If any of these characters could be king, who would you rank as number one? Put it on the Facebook page. Put it on the YouTube page. You can send it to us if you go to RidiculousPatronus2020 at gmail.com. Yep. You can send it right to us there. I challenge every single one of you to send that to us, and we'll discuss it on the next show. Yeah, I, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, you know, just to set some parameters, it's got to be one of the six that we're talking about. We're not just going to throw in, like, Jon Snow or anything like that. Right, yeah. Targaryen because right now, we're, we're coming into the War of the Five or Six Kings, right? So, yes, that, that, I absolutely think that's a great idea. Or even tell us like, what you thought you think about our list and what we thought. Like, if you've got different opinions on these characters and you think you are seeing a side that we're not covering... Let us know. We love that. So Let us know. Literally. I mean, we read the email every day, yeah. all the time. Uh, there's not <laughs> one day we don't wake up where we check it out. We're just normal guys. Like, you guys, uh, we just feel like, you know, this side definitely needed to be shared. And so go in there, send us an email this week. We will talk about it. Um, but what's great about this season that we're really getting into, this is the meat of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. This is what caused it, what it is here. Yeah, and so let, let, let's get back into it, because, you know, we, we really only touched on episode one so far. Um, you know, we, we went kind of on our own little detour of, of things that I think were important to discuss and you think are important to discuss, too. You know, while this is all going on, Daenerys is going to Astapor to buy Unsullied. Why is this important? Because she didn't have an army to this point. Where this differs in the books, she took three ships to Astapor, and they all were named, you know, my, my guy's got the dragon's oh, name. Oh, So, uh, you know, Chase is a big Jesus. dragon guy. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, he, he wanted to kind of take over this part. I'm where, definitely a Targaryen. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to take this. over this part and, and discuss the names of the dragons and how they relate to the, the ancestors of Daenerys. Um, you know, but in, in the series, it was just one ship. And, you know, like I said, she didn't have an army. She needed one. They, went, they, they sold all of Zaro's um, on Duxus's like, valuables to buy that one ship in the series. Um, she got three. Ferris and Selmy comes into play a little bit, and it's a little bit different as well, too. But talk a little bit about the, the dragons and, and the ships there. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit different. Um, this is where Josh kind of laughs at me a little bit because I tend to go on tangents. <laughs> um, for instance, you know... 
one thing to really get stoked about is Fire and Blood next season, man, mm-hmm. or whenever they come out with it, which they're filming now, which I was actually a little bit sad because I really wanted to see Robert's Rebellion. When that would have been fantastic. They were filming Blood Moon, right? Um, but then I started digging in deep on this bad boy, right? And I didn't see as much as how it relates to current Game of Thrones and what's out and what brings you back into that universe and how it relates to their history. Um, if you take into each character, right, each character in their mind is thinking of Aegon the Conqueror. Right. He was really, let's be real here. No matter what six kings we just discussed, yeah. he is the one that is thought of. He could wipe all them out with whatever army he had at <laughs> uh, the moment he had it. Yeah, I mean, they think about it. What, what did Tywin say? That's why they still mention Aegon Targaryen 300 years after he's died. Yeah. So, yeah, no, like, so they, they she had those ships. Um, I know that... Uh, yeah, she uh, had the ships. And then also, I guess I we're talking about Barristan Selmy a little bit. He was introduced as Arston, and he his identity was kept very very secret uh, until after he killed Miro, the son of the Titan, which we'll get into um, how that that was super different than what ended up happening with like the, the TV series and Daria Naharis and and that. So <laughs> my um, favorite character, he, 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 he likes he likes Daria Naharis. Daria, my boy. Well, Daenerys <laughs> is your girl, but uh, yeah, 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 no, you you're a, you're a Daria Naharis guy. But and I think we both all agree too. And we'll we'll talk about this in a little bit here. Like the character changes in this series, the first Dario Harris was was phenomenal it for really the role. Was, yeah, like he had the right amount of arrogance. Like like the, who they replaced him with was good. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't but, bad. I no, like, he was he was okay. But the, the thing is, is that just um, a little bit. Yeah, yeah to, top her off, brother. Let's, let's top get her a little, little toppy. Let's get a little yeah. dilly dilly for our audience. Cause right. Best season so far, I would say. Best season of it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, to be honest. And so, yeah, no, th- th- this Darren Harris had the right amount of, like, arrogance, had, like, that, like, real cut jawline. He, like, you know, just was more built, and he was, like, athletic, where, you know, really Darren Harris, like, they the replaced him with, was very, like, he was, like, a younger brawn. Almost like a cell sword who would kind of just... Like he would he had love for Daenerys, so he did things for her. But I'm talking about his like fighting style. He's like very slippery, like quick and like you know witty. So he it's almost like we've already seen a character like him with who they portrayed him with after the initial um, actor decided to pursue other options. I do I do think that this guy what the the first one we didn't see anyone like him. He he's not relatable to any other character, and it's, it's it stinks to me like, like it. How, how, I mean, Darren Harris gets done wrong in the series as it is. We never hear from him again. I'm not going to go into yeah. that too far, but um, just just a matter of opinion, I liked the initial actor for Darren Harris the best because I think he brought an element that we hadn't seen yet. Yeah, Darren Harris, man, he was definitely my favorite character <laughs> all throughout the show. I mean, it even gets a little Fifty Shades of Grey at that point, which we'll uh, <laughs> go into that in a minute. But, um, yeah, going into the ships, right? Let's mm-hmm. compare it to the books. Yeah. So, which you're great with the names, so I'll almost let you take it away with the names. But you had, I almost want to say Balerion. Balerion. Balerion, yeah. Right. <laughs> Balerion the Dread. <laughs> there you go. I always let Josh take the name. I am not a names guy. You see me in a club and I'll remember your name, but then the next time I say it, I'll like want to sound Butcher, it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Terrible. 
Uh, the next one, I would say Vagar, right? Yes. Vagar. Yeah. So I did get that one right. Got so it. you got to give me Nailed one it. point, right? Nailed it. And then the next one, I would say Rhaenys. Yes. Rhaenys. Yeah, Rhaenys. Yeah. So here's the thing, right? A lot of people won't connect the dots. Okay. So let's go ahead and connect the dots right here. So later on in the show, which we haven't gotten this point in the podcast, mm-hmm. but I'm sure if you're listening, you've seen some point of the show, and you've probably seen... Season 7 and 8, which you're probably pissed off about, right? <laughs> you're probably pissed. Um, if you go down to the Red Keep, you remember that big-ass skull. Yes. I'm talking big-ass dragon skull with the big teeth. Um, I think it was Tywin Lannister at some point was even you know, quoting it and said his teeth were as big as swords. Um, who that actually was, if you could please repronounce this. <laughs> Balerion? Balerion. <laughs> Balerion was a complete badass. So Daenerys' yeah. ships were named after these three dragons, which... Aegon and his sisters. Yeah, which Aegon and his sisters, which I was going to get into in a minute, was um, as far as the two other ones, his sisters rode, yeah. uh, which goes into Aegon's conquest. Uh, oh, it's you know, <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, you know, you had the Massacre of Faith on here. You had the Field of Fields, Fire Fields. Um, you had all these different instances that basically happened, which they're going to really get into as far as House of Targaryen. You that know really gets into the episodes that are coming up soon. What's really interesting, too, and this kind of tells you of the kind of ties that Daenerys has to her family. Anytime she names anything, it always has something to do with things that are important or family, like family related, like her dragons. Drogon is is to Khal Drogo, um, Viserion to Viserys, and then Rhaegal to Rhaegar. So like every single time like she names anything, it has to do with her family, right? Or yeah. So many people who are close to her, and so when she named the ships, um, you know, uh, was it uh, Rhaenys, Aegon, and Vagar? And Vagar. Yeah. Right. So you know, it just it tells you that even though she. Doesn't she was a baby? Doesn't have any memory of her family outside of Viserys. Like she, she has a big, deep connection to her roots, which is really cool, and uh, kind of helps explain why things kind of turn. Because if you think, remember the old saying, "When a Targaryen is born, the gods flip a coin <laughs> to see what side landed on." But now, not to exactly. get too much into that, but as we kind of go forward to these other seasons here, we start to see Bran has more dreams of the Three Eyed Raven. We know that, but starts to mean something. Um, you know, uh, Jojen and Mira end up appearing into Bran's life at this point in time, which is super important because uh, Jojen has green dreams. So green dreams, guys, and like this is super. But why I, I talk about the green dreams a little bit? They are very, very well detailed in the books, and they're kind of hinted at in the in the series. That's where you can see the present and the past. It's still unclear uh, about the future. Obviously, Bran saw that the uh, you know the sea came to Winterfell, so it's like you know he but it didn't exactly tell him what was going to happen. It just gave him like glimpses and like he almost had to like riddle it out. So it doesn't really give you the future, but you can see the pa- like the past and what's happening right now. And so Jojen is a really important character because he helps Bran really start to like master his control. You remember like Hodor? Like he yeah. how he controlled Hodor, his eyes went and like when Hodor was making a lot of noise in the uh, uh, at the gift and yeah. the lighthouse looking thing. So he helped 
he helped Bran really gain control of his mind powers, his warging when he steps into the body of the wolf, understanding the dream. So he's a super important character that really kind of goes under the radar a little bit. And it's sad when he dies. I, obviously, you know, that happens in seasons from now. But this is a really important pivotal moment because of what Bran becomes. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and that's what you kind of don't see enough of in the show as far as the nightmares and the wargs. Uh, in my opinion, um, kind of stepping a quick step back because I feel like we kind of jumped a little bit because, you know, I'm a diehard dragon yeah. <laughs> fan, right? Um, Balerion, he was literally known as the Black Dragon, <laughs> which I want to get everyone stoked for this as far as fire and blood. How sick is it going to be to see a black dragon? I mean, Drogon was supposed to be... and he's Drogon depicted in the books, a little bit different in the series, is he is depicted as the second coming of Balerion. He's not as big yet, but he is, he is depicted Literally, as the second yeah. coming yeah. of Balerion. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be uh, very, very similar to see. But I wonder if... I wonder if Balerion is going to be like pitch black, just like I midnight think, darkness. I think it's going to be pitch black. Like, that would be cool. I mean, the quote here, literally, they were saying was fangs were like bastard swords. Yeah. Which, if you go back to the show where we were at, remember, you have snake ass little finger was like it's probably only two hundred swords, and the rumor was it was like a thousand, right. which it was like two hundred swords. Yeah. But let's be real: anyone that's got dragon's teeth around two hundred swords, I'm not messing with. You know what's kind of cool too, and some symmetry. Ah, I'll save it. I'll save that for our episode, or our season eight arc, because uh, I, I I just drew some really cool comparisons in my mind. When we were talking about the dragons, and you know, also what I think was cool too, because this is you know in this season. Lady Olena, she is so important in so many ways because she ends up being the cause of Joffrey's death later on. Yeah. She asks Sansa about how he is, and, like, Sansa tries to, like, be that lady at court and try to, like, not to get herself in trouble by getting up too much information. And, like, listen, like, you're safe here. And she goes in and tells Olena just how bad Joffrey was to her. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, that's unfortunate. And, like, you don't think that's going to happen, but, like, she sets things in motion in the back end to make sure that her daughter, uh, Marjorie, is safe, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, as far as the other two, Vagar and uh, Meraxes. So Meraxes wound up, you know, getting killed off in the Dorne War, which they don't really go into a lot, which Dorne was the one area that was not king conquered by Aegon because it has a lot of independence. Uh, we'll go into that later, but Vagar and Meraxes were described as they were smaller than Balerius, who is the black dragon, but they could still swallow a horse whole. Which, if you think about that, <laughs> <laughs> just the dragons they had in this time period were completely insane. Yeah, different, for sure. It's like, remember when, remember when Tywin was talking about the dragons to his son, uh, not to his son, to Joffrey? Like, uh, he was saying, like, by the time the last dragon was, was before um, Daenerys' dragons, the skull was the size of a cat. So, like, you didn't know in Westeros what kind of dragons Daenerys had. They were going to be big ones, small ones, right, or anything. Yeah. So, it's like, over time, the size was down. But, like, you're right, like, like Valerion, 
He said, if you saw the size of his skull, you know, how, swallowing a horse whole, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a wild, that's a yeah. wild characterization. So my point is bringing it back here. If you think about three. It, <laughs> three, man. The shoes Daenerys was trying to fill when she grabbed them, sullied, were massive. Um, what she was trying to do. Dude, absolutely. But you know what's really excellent, too, about this? Because you don't hear about strong female characters of other houses, right? So only in the, the Targaryen household like were women really important in their history. Think about it. Like, yeah. Rhaenys, like, what she was, like, you know, Aegon and his sisters... Those two sisters were, you know, just almost as near as, you know, intimidating as Aegon himself. Right. Where, you know, what's the last woman Stark that you heard? You know, Sansa yeah, kind of becomes yeah. Lady Stark, but in a way has her own thing about it. But, it, so, Daenerys almost has this in her blood. Like, you know, I'm going to make this happen. And uh, it, it's pretty great. I like yeah, that. It's and, pretty great. So going back to Jojen, though, I mean, in the books, he was like, what, 10? <laughs> 10 years I old? I think every, everyone was depicted as younger in the books, for the most part, than how they appeared on screen. But, yeah, Jojen played a really important part here. But one thing I did want to mention, just because it's not in the books, but I think they did it right in the series, as opposed to in the books here, is, do you remember when they start riding towards River Run? for the wedding, for not for the wedding, I apologize, for uh, uh, Hoster Tully's funeral. So when they start, they start riding there, T Talisa gets off her horse and asks Catelyn if she can help her make that, that like, almost dream catcher type thing. Yeah. And this, this is the part where, you know, we learn about why, obviously we have an idea of why she hates Jon Snow, because obviously in her mind, we know what really happens, but in Catelyn's mind, Ned Stark bedded another woman and had a baby by him. So, she goes in to say all the bad things that have happened to the Starks in our family is because of me. And she tells a story. So, she made those dream catchers to really ask the gods for their favor in protecting her children. Because when Bran fell, she made it to pray to them that he would survive the fall, and he did. And then also for, like, one Jon Snow, in the, this wasn't in the books, but in the series, they said he got the pox. And that they, like... He was gonna die, and like, but, but she prayed on it. Like she prayed that they, the gods would take him away and kill him. And you know, like how how sad is that? Like you wishing like death and, and bad things on a baby. So she like never really forgave herself, and but also didn't know how to handle him being there too. Because remember how poorly she treated him at Winterfell in the beginning seasons. Like she always had hatred for him, and now she kind of digs in deep on, you know. I asked the gods to spare Jon Snow's life. If they did, I would love him like he was one of my own. I'd, I'd beg Ned to give him a proper name, the Stark name, and just be done with it. And then the gods did their end, and he survived the, the pox, and she couldn't hold up her promise. And she continued to hate. She's like, all the things that have happened to my family since then, all because I couldn't love a motherless child. Like, that's really, really like, that, that's some real big characterization there. Uh, you know, just a, like I, I, I found that really profound, like the fact that she almost blames herself for all the bad things that are happening because she she couldn't love a baby that didn't have a mom. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, I mean, then also, uh, we not only did we meet Jojen and Mira, but we also start meeting more of the like the wildling group too. Do you remember Orel? He's like the first warg that kind of we see outside of Bran. He wargs into eagles. He was able to keep uh, 
an eye on things on on what they saw there. And he goes, you know, what did you see? I saw dead crows. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of that was yeah. that was big there. Yeah. Uh, Arya Gendry and Hot Pie. You know, we kind of got to carry on into where they were going. Like they were the brother. They met the brother without banners, which is Thoros Amir, Beric Dondarrion. That's another actor change too. We're gonna call out every single actor change. The mountain changed three times. We'll get into him later. Yeah. But um, Beric Dondarrion, this guy was was really cool. Uh, he died six times, was brought back six times. Well, to this point, yeah, it was still five, but what ends up happening um, later on, we'll talk about that in a couple episodes um, from from this point. They end up being taken by the, the Brotherhood Without Banners, and they say that they're free to go. They're like, yeah, no, like you, we're going to give you guys some food, and you're free to go from there. And then when the Brotherhood Without Banners captures the Hound, the Hound's like, what are you doing with the Starkfish? Yeah, and then that's when they realize who they have. And then the Brother Without Banners, who you kind of like, they kind of get a little skeezy, man. They're like, oh, we're going to ransom Arya off and get some gold for our cause. (laughs) And I get it. But at the same time, like, you, you, if you are who you say you are, you're fighting for the realm. You don't stop. Like, I, I understand you need gold and you need horses and you need food. But, like... You serve Lord Stark, and like your your opening line to when when the Hound kind of like goes back and forth and like is talking shit to Beric, and he's like, "You're fighting for dead people." He's like, "He's like, I, he has he still is fighting on the cause that Ned Stark set him out for." So if you have got this high level respect for him, you're gonna still ransom his daughter. I don't know. I didn't love that. And then also, uh, to I mean, one thing about Beric, man, going back to the books. People forget, as far as the prophecies, they really get into the prophecies in the books. Um, as far as the Lord of Light, and then you even have the other god, which, as far as the books, go, uh, the show goes, you know, could possibly be the Night King, right? Well, I don't know if it's the Night King is the Lord of Death, and like it could be uh, that could be going on, but the Lord of Light is definitely different than the. Um, how do you say it? Azor Ahai? Uh, Azor on High. Um, so, which there is rumors in the books. As because like, as the thing is, like, he's not the Lord of Light himself. Like, yeah. Azor Ahai is like, like, like the one that brings... Like, and so, which is interesting, too. Cause, and this, I'm sorry, but I will jump a little bit in the books here. When Stannis goes to the Wall and... Um, what's his name? Maester Aemon tells Sam to, to inspect the sword. Like, it was it was shining like gold, right? It had the, had the light to it that kind of was like Azor Ahai's, uh, like, Lightbringer is the name of the sword. The one that, like, the prophecy of sword. Now, Sandra told him that that's Lightbringer, but when Sam held it, uh, Mr. Herman's like, hey, did you feel any warmth on it? He's like, no, just like a normal sword. So, you know that Stannis is not Azor Ahai, right? So, absolutely. Um, anyways, real quick though, uh, I know we're kind of we're wrapping up right now. We're, we're almost at that mark. Uh, one more thing I need to bring up before we kind of split here is Jamie breaking free from Brienne, and they yeah. they fight. So this is super important because they end up getting captured because uh, Roose Bolton's men hear them fighting in the books. It's not really so much shown on the TV series, but in the books, uh, basically, 
Brienne was going on about how it was super hard to fight Jamie, even with him being malnourished and shackled. Yeah. Like how that gives you another level of respect for Jamie, like how well of a swordsman he is. But guys, that's our time for uh, episodes one through five. We're gonna bring this back here next week to talk about five through ten. So Chase, do you want to kind of break us down and and uh, sign us off? Yeah, um, so, I mean, I think a little bit we didn't get into was the Unsullied. So, I will say the Unsullied, right? Um, they're almost looked at in the books as far as completely soulless creatures. Yeah, in the, in, in the show, yeah. too, kind of. Cause yeah. Because what was the difference? In the... In the in the show, they had to kill a baby in front of their mother and give it a silver, kill them a silver coin, and they had to kill a puppy in the books, right? Right, and they had to completely, you know, raise this thing as until they completely killed it off, uh, which is what they were ordered to do. Like they have their souls, just like in the show. You know, the guy takes a knife and shoves it right through the guy's, you know, breast. Yeah, cuts, cuts right? his nipple off. Yeah, literally, and says, <laughs> No you know, feeling. He's like, they're serving you. <laughs> yeah, and Unsullied has no need for nipples at uh, a point. Yeah. Um, but, in the books, I mean, as far as even castrating them, for they have no need for a sex drive. Um, it really goes to show as far as you know, how soulless they really were. As far as in the books, they say one out of every three dies in right. the training. Whereas in the show, it's one out of every four. And then Miss Sunday, who's translating this, you've mentioned, exactly. she's super young. Yeah, she's, like, she's like, like, what, like, years like 18, 20 years, years old, old in the, yeah. in the TV series, and she's 10 years old exactly. in, in the books. Yeah. Um, so that's really important. And when we come back, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, how uh, Daenerys tricks Krasnus into giving her the unsullied um, a little bit about uh, the, the mistake that Rob Stark's uh, uncle makes of taking the mill. We'll talk about the, the uh, White Walkers, how they put the horses in the symbol that you know could have been. Like, people started wondering if that's like the Targaryen symbol for the White Walkers, and was the Night King actually uh, a Targaryen? Is that why he was able to ride the ice dragon? Like, there's a lot of theories out there, and we're gonna really dive into that when we come back with you folks. But uh, yeah, as as of right now, that was that was part one. As of right now, part no, part one, man, season three here, yeah. which is Storm of Swords. There's so much detail in this books, and so much detail in the season, even going back as far as what we do here. Yep. Um, you know, we want to keep your attention, and we know you have things to do. Um, but you know, kind of play us in the background of your jobs. Play us in the background of, you know, if you're driving out of state, working out <laughs> at the gym. But, Whatever um, you guys are doing, it's working. We're, get, we're getting the viewers yeah. up there. Keep it up, guys. So thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for, for part one of part season one. three. This has yeah. been uh, Chase and Josh with The Ridiculous Crew. Part two coming next. Yep. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, Signing off. off.